Well, before we get started on a uh, fun episode for you, I wanted to commemorate something. Today is New Year's Day. Um, thank you, comrades and friends, for waiting uh, a few days extra uh, for your weekly episode. Uh, you will have uh, two episodes this week, uh, this fun one and then a uh, General Assembly kickoff, which is going to be very fun. A lot of celebrities coming in. But as it is New Year's Day, I wanted to, um, to note, number one, Lula was uh, inaugurated as the president of Brazil today. And uh, when we started this podcast, he was in prison. So anything's possible, folks. Speaking of anything being possible, this is the anniversary of uh, Batista on the Run, the Cuban, uh, the Cuban president <coughs> uh, was, a, I guess, a day from fleeing to uh, the Dominican Republic, I think he went. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a commemoration of, of Castro and, and uh, Guevara's big victory in Cuba. And if people are new to this and they don't understand uh, why it's, it's such a, uh, a miracle that this experiment in Cuba has been so successful for so long in the face of in the face of things that have uh, fell in the uh, the Soviet Union it's incredible uh, the per capita income there is higher than it is in Jamaica it's higher than it is in the Dominican Republic um, their doctors are renowned and uh, you know if we're lucky uh, we're gonna be talking about in our next episode a lot about Nelson Mandela and if you listen to what uh, Mandela says uh, about Castro I think you'll realize why that is something that um, we should look to for inspiration. Now, I want to be clear. We can't do the things we did before. So we're not, all going to the, we're not all going to the mountains, and we're not all coming down with AK-47s, as much as we would like to do that. Um, we're looking to this for inspiration, because there is other ways to do things and other ways to organize. Uh, we, don't have to, we don't have to look to capital at every turn. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, long live the revolution. Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, this is your Highlands Bunker podcast. Happy New Year. And for the new year, we have for you a very fun movie episode. It's on cinema. You guys love it. Uh, as our friend James Johnson says, who was here. Hello, James. Hello. Uh, we had to get very, very heavy, and we all had to get on the Criterion Collection. Uh, so you know when we're doing that, you know where it's at. It's with Drew Palmer, our, our, our comrade from Claymont. What's going on, Drew? Um, doing good. I, I also like to pitch in for the new year that the uh, U.S. men's national team is now coachless, and we will be looking for someone new. To hopefully uh, bring in more MLS talent uh, at both left back mm. and right back. <laughs> yeah, um, strengthen up the back line please, with more, please, with more, more from from case more of Sporting KC. Yeah. Please, uh, almost the home of Cristiano Ronaldo as well. Super That's producer correct. Carl is here. <laughs> Super producer Carl is here in studio as well. Uh, so, I have been wanting to do some sort of like film episode, and Drew and I like go back and forth sometimes to see what he's watching. Um, so he recommended uh, a Spanish film from 1961 called Placido. The director is uh, Luis Garcia Berlanga. And before we get into the film, I do want to talk about Berlanga because when you sent me this film to watch, you mentioned that, um, that he was a very famous like, subversive. And I, so I read some stories about how he was able to produce 
this kind of cinema in, in the Franco's regime. Uh, but do you did you read any more about his history? Not a ton of it. Um, I, I, I think I even said to you I wasn't too positive what exactly his politics are besides that he was anti-state that he was in. Um, so outside of, you know, watching his stuff and enjoying a lot of his stuff, I, I do not know a, a whole lot about him besides he used satire as a way to get around censors at the time. Yes. Uh, and I think, so here's the story that, uh, I read and then it got confirmed his obit in like, um, if you look it up, I think it's in the Telegraph, the UK Telegraph from about 15 years ago when he died. His father was a Republican politician small r, you know, left-wing politician, who at some point got arrested and tried and sentenced to death. So in a, in a move to get, and this was like 1941, 42, in a move to get uh, his father off of death row and to like impress some woman, <laughs> he goes and signs up for uh, this this blue uh, battalion. So he fought for Nazi. Well, he didn't fight for Nazi Germany, but he was in the he was in an uh, uh, an attachment that was a German attachment on the Eastern Front. The funny story was he never saw any f- combat. He said every every you know three days he had to spend sixteen hours in like a in like a tower as a lookout. Uh, but he said one day he wasn't off, and the person who went and took his place was blown up in that tower. But yeah, he was like a he's. But but when he came back, he just did that. So his father was spared, and it was eventually he was eventually released from prison in '54. So I guess that worked. But yeah, his politics are pretty left wing. I mean, what he was trying to do with the films was uh, sort of a yeah class. I mean, it's class struggle, right? Mm. And so yeah, but it's such an interesting uh, story. But he did another film. Have you seen the one uh, about? Uh, what was the one I was reading about? Because I haven't seen it. He's trying to get funds from the, uh, the Marshall Plan. Because Spain at that time was couldn't get, you know, they were, Spain was in a weird position, and he did a he did a huge satire about trying to take a little village and make it into like a resort for American tourists. Uh, I know exactly the one you're talking about. I haven't. Uh, I b- believe the other one I suggested to you was the Executioner, which I, I think you would enjoy a great bit. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Um, this this is a a Spanish filmmaker uh, basically starting his work in the 50s and 60s. This film. Uh, Placido in 61 was nominated for for an Oscar for best foreign film didn't win uh, but it was you know it was it was acclaimed as an art film at the time uh, and now we saw it in, in Criterion so the, the story is that there's like a small Spanish town uh, on Christmas Eve uh, that's you know, sort of hustle and bustle and the first sort of action in it is you hear a loudspeaker that you assume is like, is it this loudspeaker for the whole town? Like, where is this coming from? It's like a sort of a big brother. I mean, the feels kind of comedy because the truck he's driving has the weird thing on it. Star. But you just hear this like, attention, attention. Tonight for the thing. And they're uh, announcing this Christmas Eve thing that they do. There's going to be a parade. And then all the rich people have to have a, a poor person to dinner. This is like their tradition. This is the thing that they do. And they just, and that's the, the, the basis for what happens the next 90 minutes is this idea that the elite were going to uh, show some noblesse oblige, I guess, and and uh, and have a have a poor person in for their for their for their dinner on Christmas Eve. And uh, I, I believe 
I read when I'd watch it the first time that this is based off a real thing that happened in Spain, a campaign during that time, which was to seat a poor man at your table for one night on Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was. Um, it was it, I think it was. It was some sort of Franco. It was ba- like, yeah. you know, that that Franco sort of dictatorship had a bunch of like obviously like nationalistic like store that one and and it was it fit into that like there was like a yeah like seat a poor person at your table one night a year sort of thing yeah which is uh something they they harp on a few times when they're bringing out the promotions they for one night like don't worry about doing this tomorrow this yeah is just show your compassion tonight. for the one night well the other the other thing you learn in that first announcement and this will go to james because i i'm i'm i guaranteed when i watched it i said you're gonna pick this up it's at the very end it's sponsored by like Coconex Cookers. It has a corporate. <laughs> it has a fucking corporate sponsor. Of course, it had a corporate sponsor. <laughs> I know you picked up on that immediately, and it was, you know, like, <clears throat> like Drew said, it it was an actual campaign in Spain, and a lot of a lot of the sort of nationalism in Spain revolved around well, fascist stuff like the flag and the country and, you know, sort of national and cultural symbols and things like that. And um, I just, I, I I couldn't believe my good fortune when <laughs> it was sponsored by the, the, the most ridiculous of, of corporations, you know, just the <laughs> most sort of absurd, <laughs> bizarre well, out of the And again, way, that so. little that little thing gets even more absurd as as the sort of the film goes on because I didn't I didn't realize it was just going to be like oh they're just going to say this but they carry that they carry that through the whole the whole show that they have before the dinner and all of that <laughs> I thought that was funny the, the the second interesting part and this will get to like um, the way that it shot too which was sort of like compelling to me number one is that they're all going to go to this train station to meet the actors from Madrid. So they're going to have this big parade before this big night and a show, but these actors are coming in. Simultaneously, we meet the main character, Placido, who I, I guess their family like operates the public showers. I don't even know what that... I couldn't, I couldn't discern what they... But they were obviously like working-class, street-level people. Yeah, they, it looked like they ran a bathroom. Yeah, it's like, like they've sent. They you, you pay them like two pesos, and they go and, and they use your uh, use your facility. Yep. And and I think from the understanding is it is that where they live is connected to those same bathrooms. Right. I, I believe he even says at some point, you know, my family is waiting for me in the urinals. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so he his he own well he doesn't own. Uh, he is the operator of a truck, a, a sort of a. A 50s pickup truck, as you'd imagine. It's like center steering, but a, a big bed. Uh, so he has all this work to do. I think he's delivering uh, Christmas baskets. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be his first thing. But he's also uh, sort of publicizing the parade. Uh, but what we come to find out is uh, his his payment is due on this truck, and uh, he's not going to be able to make it. And that's sort of like the underlying theme through this is that it's really he's trying to figure out how to make this payment uh, because the consequences are going to come pretty quickly and they're already sort of on the margins of like survival in the town. And so that was the, I mean, that you pick that up probably within the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, 
I don't know. It just the the themes in it really resonated with all the stuff that we talk about. You know, oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. you know, it's I, I when he explains that the bank is going to close because I I do want your guys' uh, feeling on. There's a few scenes in the bank, so I know you guys probably have feeling about that. Uh, but the bank's getting ready to close. They don't have the money. They they finally get to the bank. Um, the of course, there's fees now that they didn't calculate, which I thought was inc- an incredible detail. Yes. So there's like other fees, and they're like, now they're still short. If the bank closes, they're going to send the thing immediately to uh, the notary, who's going to send them into collection like almost immediately. So they're like, and it's Christmas Eve, they can't do anything. But that, what did you guys think about the scenes at the bank? I loved it. Uh, it, it starting off from the very beginning with the owner of the bank walking around to pass out cigars because <laughs> the christmas bonus hasn't come in and it will he doesn't know when but for now enjoy this cigar person um, make it, sure that every single person knows that this yes, is for me not the this company, is for me not so the company know, and then christmas. uh you know of course you know the, his little 16 year old employee that he's probably not paying uh wants a cigar for his father and he refuses to give him one but uh no, I, I, everything in the bank is uh <laughs> it's still relevant now yeah, I mean, it's oh, coming yeah. from a bank, too. I thought the same thing. <laughs> well, and it's all s- immediately, like, you you see <clears throat> that it's all structural stuff. Uh, well, you know, a- and what kind of ties it, the context now is that it's, you know, how do credit cards work? How do anything at a, how does anything at a bank work? And, and in all those situations, there's all these arbitrary rules, deadlines, uh, closures, you know, sorry, you, you know, we don't, whatever, do that after 5 p.m., you're three minutes late, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, that all these things <clears throat> that are just set up in place to to, to make it difficult for somebody to try and do what, what he's trying to do, just to pay his bills and feed his family. And then also something you see, which you see a little bit before when they're setting up the parade, uh, but you see it when Placido comes in with, the showrunner of the whole parade. Uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name. Yes. No, he's actually, he's actually the, I, I think he's like the most famous actor in it. Yes. Going forward, like through the 60s and 70s. Yes. I think that guy was, but yeah, there, there's a guy who's basically trying to, again, make sure he gets, or, you know, is the train from Madrid with the actors on it? How are we going to get the float together? So yeah, the guy who's sort of like the, uh, the coordinator. But when he comes in with Placido, because he's doing him a favor to help him figure this out, and you see that he knows the owner of the bank, and he gives him a cigar, and then Placido goes to reach for one, and he shuts the case on his hand, and then he goes to shake his hand, and he ignores yeah, him. Yeah, he won't shake his and hand. It's, it's, it, and it's on Christmas Eve, the night of where you're supposed to you know, be nice to a homeless man for one night and feed them, and it's a, a continuing thing you see as you go forward is the, the open disdain for the homeless people that they are supposed to be helping. Oh yeah, that's I mean, as it, especially as it goes even forward to to some of the dinner scenes, yeah, I mean, there's an absolute um, sort of like we're doing this as a ritual, uh, but we like we clearly don't want to do it, and we're making sort of a mockery of well, it. You... I think they mentioned at some point it's mandatory. Yes. Yeah. Did you notice where he got sneezed on? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <I'm ruled. laughs> this is the same thing. It's yes. just he sneezed on him, and he was like, he didn't even say anything. Because no one was there. Said, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. No one was there. He was sneezing on nothing. They're just And it's funny. One of there. these things, and it, and it, and it sounds um, you know, it sounds funny as, as we're telling it, and it is very funny. Uh, but I, I did read something else um, about Berlanga that a lot of his colleagues were getting their stuff censored all the time. Mm-hmm. 
And when he would go in and have to answer for this before it came out, he would be like, oh, this is just a big comedy. It's like slapstick. It's just lie. It's, just, it's all funny. Yeah. And so he would. it would be all of this sort of punchy dialogue. The other thing you notice is there's always something going on in, in, the, in the other – in the, in the background or in the si- on the side stage, so there's like there's always sort of hustle and bustle, like a lot of the fancy films you see from this time that are like fancy people. It's like two people in a room lit in a certain particular way, delivering this dialogue in a certain particular way. This is like shit's going down. Like mm-hmm. in every scene, stuff's going happening everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is which is pretty cool. But but again, a, a really cool technique because when you look at it this way, it's it's a, it's a pretty grim portrait for this guy. Yeah, it's it's an extremely dark comedy, which is probably why he was able to pass it through censors, because to someone who would have been on the other side of that, who would have been feeding the homeless person, that movie's probably hilarious. It's a it's a, a homeless guy having an insanely tough time, um, you know, at the expense of everyone around him. It, it's, you know, I, I'm sure him saying it's slapstick probably passed with flying colors. Yeah. Um, there's a great um, there's a great shot and it's longer than I guess you would expect. Um, because all of this sort of like dialogue is going on, they're trying to set this parade up. Well, you find out that at the same time as the parade, there's a funeral. Some people have to go to the funeral. Uh, you know, the, the 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 nuns are trying to uh, like corral the homeless and be like, "Just calm down. We're going to do this thing, and then you're going to get your food." Uh, very strange interaction. But the the actors come. They're all B list. Everybody's like. They think they're cool anyway, but it's like B and C list <laughs> celebrities, you know. They're just trying to get paid or whatever. Uh, the parade starts, uh, and as the parade moves one way out of town, the funeral procession moves the other way. And there's a shot that feels like, okay, well, that's funny. You see him passing, but it lets it go from maybe 50 meters away where you just see this stupid parade, slapstick parade, go one way, and this long funeral procession go the other way. Uh, it was just, it was a really interesting shot because it was like the first big break of like action and then you just had to sit with that for like 45 seconds yeah it's pretty interesting i i i love that shot that's uh reminds me a lot of and, and i'm probably only saying this because uh i watched it recently but it reminds me of like a shot you'd see in like la Strada or something like this very set back just two different worlds interacting for a moment yeah um and of course the showrunner gets off and he yells at the 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 band that's made up of army men i guess why'd you stop playing music you know, oh, we we were paying you know respects for a moment. He's like, no, come on, come on. They know, yeah. they know it's a parade. Yeah. I, <clears throat> the next, so after the parade, and 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 meanwhile, uh, the the truck that Placido is running is also part of a float. Uh, he's trying to deliver the, the other stuff he has to deliver, or else he's going to be even fairly short. And he's trying to figure out how to pay this, how to pay this truck note before it goes to collections the end of the day can i interrupt for one second about the truck you can who he's bring pulling on the truck is two homeless people that are paid to pretend to eat a chicken out of yep. the coconut's pot uh they drank the champagne already and they didn't want to get the more and they ate the chick the, the turkey so they tell them to pretend Just to eat pretend the bones <laughs> yeah eat the bones i remember that when he was like <laughs> yeah the showrunner's like yeah just pre- I, I i i didn't i didn't figure out that they were hired until he starts telling them that because yeah. they set this thing up uh, and yeah, it just looks like two people are shoveled on this thing to pretend like they're eating, but yeah, they were shoveled in from like the people the nun was talking to. Yeah. <laughs> and it was in a coconut pot. Well, the again, that was the fir- that was the first second time you, you kind of realize it. It's on a banner, and then after the parade, 
there's a uh, there's like a raffle. You know, you get like a you know, whatever you get a celebrity raffle, and you have lunch with them. You know, they'd still do them today, but this was obviously, you know, a complete sham. But on the stage is a huge replica of the Coconex cooker. There's the big fucking <laughs> yeah. pot that's right next to them right on the stage. And they're like just a do- golden calf up there. Yeah. Incredible. So it was, that was really weird. And they're doing this, uh, they're doing this raffle, you know, this, uh, you know, auction, you know. And a guy gets into a bidding war for the B list, like, female celebrity yes. and bids like 400 pesos. And, and he's like, his wife was, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, ah, somebody will be. I just have to show them. I'm, have to you know, make so the boss I look have good. to make the boss look good. So he's going to come in. And, of course, nobody does. Now he's stuck with it. And the wife is like, because he's like, the Christmas bonus will come in. The Christmas bonus will come in. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and now he has to. It was just, just a classic. Like you said, that kind of stuff still resonates today when mm-hmm. you go to, like, a work function. Yes. You go to some work fundraiser. You're going to be like, I got I got I'm going to bid. It's going to be fine. And you just get fucked. End up with some gift basket. Yeah, three hundred dollars. Well, yeah, and 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 again, it was it was it was ostensibly it was like a celebrity auction where you were like, I don't know, you go to lunch with Pat Oswalt or something, but like (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't clear what you like. They're 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 raffling off the celebrities or or or, uh, auctioning off the celebrities, but then like. Nothing happens. They just go to the dinner. Like they go to they go to the different dinners. I guess with them. Yeah. I guess that's what. So the celebrity that you, you get goes to dinner your dinner. You. Goes mm-hmm. when you get the homeless person because that's the other thing. Oh, I don't want to get too far afield, but the way that they it's in the press. Like they're always like, oh, they're eating. But uh, <laughs> but so the, they all get their all the rich couples and, and families get their celebrity, and then they all sort of go back to their uh, stately homes for this. For this dinner, where they're basically assigned a a person, or it's not even assigned because they have an argument, right? Maybe, and I, you have to uh, refresh my memory because there's an argument about like whether you get an old homeless person or a young homeless person, yeah. or like, will the old person fall asleep, or will like there was some kind of argument yeah, about what and they kind had of to sub in the elderly folks. The anyway, elderly, right? yeah, there was yeah, some kind of argument enough. about which type would be the easiest <laughs> to I, host. I, I love that because when it ends, because they're at a celebrity auction, when they ask that final homeless person uh, to have dinner with them, and he says, "Do I have to sing?" <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> which ends up coming into play later in an, in an incredible way. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, and then just the celebrities are auctioning off is so funny because exactly what it would be now. It's a child singer yep. who's up there wearing his little suit with a guitar. It's a B-list actress that's been in one movie and doesn't remember what her role was. And my it's, agent didn't tell me. Yeah, my agent <laughs> didn't tell me. And it's it's the older actor that keeps showing off his awards that he has pinned onto his scarf who wants a taxi to leave. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because he's like, "Where's my, where's my meal?" Like, what well, is? Yeah, on the clock here. It connects that context directly to now. Like, I watched it and thought a lot less about sort of the poor people versus the rich people, mm-hmm. and you, most of the folks in that town you would call middle class or something. At least the people who were at the auction remember the guy who says, you know, his wife yells at him like oh, we don't have that much money or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. he's like got to impress his boss yeah. or all your... these people are buying into this petty bouge 
like you know idea of what their role is in that society. Well, speak on this because there's another example it's, it's of that. To keep those people down. Talking about the <laughs> scene, the scenes at the bank. Mm-hmm. Two of the bank like clerks, like work, like like middle managers, are getting like an argument about wanting to leave early. It's a Christmas Eve. Why are we doing this? Fucking stupid. And sort of getting into that exact thing. Yep. Like they're in the middle. They bought into it and they're like, well, I guess this is just what, you know, what we're doing. But they have a little scene with them before the boss comes in. Uh, and then I guess it's like, oh, how, how are you guys doing? Oh, you can, when, as soon as you're done, you just go ahead and leave. And it's like, oh, he's telling us now we can leave like five minutes early. And then he kind of changes it and he's like, well, come have a drink with me, actually. And then it's like, they know they're pinned there because they're their boss's friend. Oh, uh, yeah. They have to have the one drink <laughs> in, the, in the dining room there. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people are... who are, like, stuck in. Yeah, well, and they all, oh, well, it's all these, you know, it's rules no one can change. It's just the way these things are. It's like, no, actually, they're, it's the point he's making in the film is that they're structured by the ruling class in this town with the functionaries in the middle to oppress the people and not allow yeah. them to. Because they do make very clear when people, like, try to use a little bit of, like, whatever social capital they have. Yep. Uh, and maybe it was the showrunner who did it who I noticed first when he goes to help Placido in the bank. Tells He's like, oh, remember my family has the sawmill. The sawmill. It's always like, oh, I'm the notary. The notary gets to do this at this thing. Like, it's all like you, you're, you're always like, you know, this family that owns the sawmill. You know this. Like, that's, that's pretty clear throughout that that's a very clear theme is a lot of those sort of petite bouge in the middle, they're, they're, they're playing off of that social capital. Uh, to try to get you know a little bit of status, mm-hmm. which is you know, it's classic. That's a ta- kids go to Tattnall. Same thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I, I do like those are really the only interactions you do see with the the middle classes, the bankers that are being forced to work on Christmas Eve. The mm-hmm. one banker who's supposed to actually pay Placido's bill when he comes in says, "I'll never be home on time." Uh, the notary workers who are worried about getting home to see their families, and the people that are actually bidding on celebrities at the auction. Uh, it's not the rich people bidding on the celebrities, their money. You know, they can do it whenever they want. It's the, the working class giving up their Christmas bonuses. Um, so the auction goes smooth for, you know, Coconuts. <laughs> Coconuts cookers. Grey pot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, then the scenes sort of move to a few things. First, uh, several scenes are set at these sort of stately homes at these dinners. Uh the other thing that happens is finally Placido gets, once the dinner start, gets to the notary because the note has now not been paid in full, goes to the notary who's going to put it out uh, for collections. He's going to lose his truck. Gets to the notary's place. All the notary wants to do is go with his wife to midnight mass and but he finally goes in and goes through all the stuff and looks at the paperwork and he goes, you know, there's no proper this paperwork's not proper. There's no payee on here. Like, if you didn't pay anything, nothing would have happened. He was like, oh great, I'll see you guys later. He was like, no, 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 you're here now. You have an obligation, you have a, a moral, a moral yeah. obligation <laughs> to pay. I thought that was pretty profound, actually, the way he put that, because he was like, oh yeah, it's a, it's an error. Now, if it was an error on our side, mm-hmm. we would fuck you. But now that you're here, you got to pay. Well, he even says at some point when Placido was like, well, no, I don't want to pay it. Then I'll keep this money. And he says, well, now they will file a, ju- a complaint, a judgment against you. Kind of, I-, I guess, in a way, hinting at, I will tell on you if you don't pay this. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, th- this is being paid. You're here now. Well, and he's like told the entire time 
in in the first part of the film, he's told, oh, no, but no, no one, no will, no one will repo Eve. your truck yeah. on Christmas Eve. And right. it's it goes specifically to these specific things. Sorry, that's redundant. But, like, stuff that the working class is told, even now today. Oh, well, you know, like Joe Biden will tell people, he'll tweet it out, you know, uh, enjoy Christmas with your families. Enjoy the holiday with your families. fuck you talking about the holiday with my families? I don't have enough food to eat, you know? I'm going to get evicted. Nobody enjoys holidays with their family. But when you when you put those things in that lens, and the, those things to me are just a direct, direct correlation to our context today and the things people are still told today about, oh, well, now that you are here at the bank, you do need to pay. Yes. And we will take you. Yeah, you're and, fucked. The, yeah, the, no matter what. The, them saying the, the truck won't be repoed comes back in a very – uh, crazy way at the very end of the film that I'll, I'll wait till we get to it. Yeah, but, well, that's but the best. Someone, yeah, sorry, so, someone we haven't brought up uh, talking about working class and the struggle is Placido's brother who uh, lives yes. with him, who is supposed to be helping delivering baskets during the parade, those the big Christmas baskets, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's told he'll be paid. I, I think it's like a hundred pesos for the job. Come to find out, when Placido needs the money for these extra fees, you had talked about his his brother says, "Well, I only got." 1320 I was I was told I would get more tips but all I got was 13 pesos yeah which he does give to Placido yeah um which he kind of you know thanks you know thanklessly yeah. takes that's right but um and and that comes back in the end as well yeah so as these dinners progress the the the, the two things that struck me and you can talk about either one or, or both one is that the the government sends the press I guess out to cover these things like <laughs> the guys like, hey, he's eating. Uh, the homeless guy likes potatoes or whatever. Look how happy they're he taking is. a picture. Like sit on his lap. They're like go over here, <laughs> and then the the celebrity guest or whatever doesn't want to go over there. They're setting up these shots, yeah. which is like total like uh, it's like reality TV, like made up reality TV. I mean, it has a perfect arc. I, I that's you know I took it that way, and they're these are extremely uncomfortable sort of classist uh, jokes. And they get and, and there, you know there's a lot of back and forth. The other thing, well, maybe we'll do that first because the fact that the guy there's a say there's a medical event uh, at one of the dinners, yes. and uh, one of the guys says that's okay. I, the doctor's here, and he's a fucking orthodontist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he puts on his shit. He's gonna he's, and I'm like, this is classic. This guy would be if he lived in Florida would be a member of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, he was just like I'm a I'm a doctor because it didn't matter because the guy was a homeless guy having a medical emergency, yep. so it didn't matter. He was just like I'm, I'm, old a, I'm an orthodontist. That, that whole scene, which takes up about 15, 20 minutes, where you don't see Placido or anything, it's almost like its own vignette yeah. until it ties back in. There, there's so much in that, that that's so incredible. The 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 wife saying, "Put on the the mended sheets." No, never mind. Linen. The radio company's coming. The 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 husband of the household. Uh, I'm putting on the radio. This is my house, you know, and he's tinkering with the radio because he wants to listen to like his, you know, old old timey music. Um, but no, like you said, they send in these these. Uh, it's like a radio station, I think. It was like you said, it's like Meryl Reese is doing a play. Yeah, it was on a radio. It was, li- it was like and, uh, live on field, but they did have a camera, uh, like a st- I guess a still photographer yes. that was like trying to put together these shots, yeah. and they were broadcasting it. Li- they were broadcasting these dinners live to the like local AM radio. But I, I love when they're, they're they're interviewing the elderly man that they brought to eat, and he's clearly uncomfortable. And he doesn't want to be doing it. He and he eventually just blurts out, he's like. Hey, whatever she says, I, you know, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, because he kept asking him, like, "Have you ever had this, or how do you feel?" He's like, "I don't, I don't know." How do you feel about this this great 
like uh, event that's happening. This, this great act of charity. Yeah, and he's like, I I don't know. Well, they said in the beginning, they're like, we were told we would be giving cognac. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Where, where's my drink? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 a few a few people are shown taking uh, you know, taking advantage of it, which I'm glad. You know, there's one mm-hmm. scene where the guy, I think the. No, it was a different guy who gets completely shit faced. That's the guy that asked if he'd have to guy. sing. Yeah, because so, <laughs> he's singing the whole time. He's yeah. singing the whole time, and then he he somehow is able. He's he's shit faced, but other stuff's going on. The, these scenes were also shot sort of like I was talking about before. Like, there's a scene going on at the table. The radio announcer is having like a is, is having a, a dialogue with the producer there, or maybe the 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 head of the household or something. You can hear something going on outside. It's like. You know, th- these are very hectic, hectic scenes. But, uh, yeah, he's singing the whole time. And then somehow, even though he's drunk, he, he, he's, he's able to get himself a second bottle of wine somehow. And he starts they, drinking it. They they have to leave. Um, I can't remember exactly what. Was it Midnight Mass they were all going Midnight to? Mass. And he, he tells the homeless man, wait here until the truck gets here to pick you up. Ah, yes. And he sits him down and he, he makes him because they were trying to give him coffee, which he sings that beautiful little song about the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they, they he goes back to the table and he opens up another bottle of wine. And, and assumably he's going to miss the truck, finish the wine and go to sleep in a nice bed. And I, I hope that's what he did in this fictional world. Yeah. Um, so so do we want to do we want to talk about the, the medical incident? Because that sort of loops Placido back in. Yeah. Uh, and and sort of brings us to sort of the third act. Um, so to speak. So, so one of the uh, there's a there's a couple there who they're not married, but they cohabitate, which that's an important uh, piece of it. Yes. Uh, but uh, the, the 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 man uh, has, I guess, a heart attack or something. I forget what he they said he has, but it was one of those sort of bedside slapstick things because. They bring him into the bedroom. They go. They were like, "Does anybody know this guy? Oh, this is his wife. Oh, they're not really married. They just cohabitate." And he's dying in the other room. And do you want to? Do you want to? This is a. This is a. This is a fun religious no. one. So you. You want to get it? So so the the man is dying in the other room, being treated by an orthodontist, <laughs> who's wearing the lab coat. Who's wearing a lab coat. <laughs> in the front room? They've gone and gotten what they thought, what all of these society people thought was the man's wife. It's actually just they're cohabitating. They're both dirt poor. So, yes. but they they love each other. They live together for years. And it's his homeless neighbor that keys them in. He's my. He says neighbor. He says it in like an in quotations way. Right, right. And he he says that he has a partner, and uh, he lives in sin. Well, they need to they need to marry. <laughs> yeah. So so the, so all of the all of the society women get together as the guy's dying in there, because uh, they're gonna an unmarried guy is gonna die in there. She's in here. So they call the priest. To actually have this wedding, and uh, as our as our resident uh, f- uh, f- famous uh, ex-religious person, there you go. which I am too, but I think you're more famous. I would, I am more famously into it. What did you? Was. What was your? I mean, that was obviously just straight fascist Catholic stuff. Oh yeah, but yeah. but but the, the the idea is still pretty clear. Yeah, and I, yeah, it, it was much like the rest of the themes in the film, like you know it. I think that was kind of his point is, you know, right on the head, nailing those things and just kind of always looking back to kind of the absurdity of some of those just it you can I think he takes those ideas and sort of the um 
sort of objective absurdity of them and you turn that into comedy by making that physical and kind of circular or whatever and then you end up with slapstick and you end up with people running around in circles and asking who's on first and and whatever else but like it's yeah it's all those things just basically lined up one after the other you remember when they go to get his partner she is eating dinner with another woman who is the mistress to a married man who comes over (laughs) For uh, dinner, I and he, yeah, about he hides himself in the closet and hits himself in the eye with the cork. Uh, I forgot but, uh, about you know, that. They, they send to get her to save her from sin. She's eating dinner with probably the nicest wealthy person in the movie is the woman she's eating dinner with right. who wants her to stay for dinner. It's the her her partner that comes in that. She Why is this scarecrow leave. here? He yeah, calls he her wanted scarecrow. to leave. I, I forgot all about that little scene where he's cheating with the woman, and she's like actually kind of nice, just trying to have a nice dinner. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> fucking go. We gotta, you know, get out on the town." But yeah, but then he hides in the uh, in the in the thing and shoots himself in the eye with a champagne cork. It's, but it's a, That's it's, how that ends. It's like you said, how how strict they want it because there's even at some point where they do bring her in to marry. One of them even says, "Like we should be doing this at a courthouse. We shouldn't really be doing this here." While this man's on his, you know, last couple breaths, they're they're kind of kicking around a little bit the idea of can we get him to a courthouse in time? Can this wait till the morning? You know. Yeah, it. it um, I think. Let's just say the circumstances of that marriage are are uh, they're suspect. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, they they do the the priest does the marriage, but as someone who has been to uh, many many Catholic weddings in my life. Mm-hmm. Very suspicious how it all went. He already did long. It's a weekend at Bernie situation. <laughs> and, if, and if you also <laughs> r- remember a little situation there is when Placido comes back in with the showrunner and he asks him to use the phone to call the notary. Um, the orthodontist gives him that mask to help him breathe because he thinks he has a sinus infection. The same mask that could have been given to the man who was not breathing. Uh, and he gives it to this guy that he has a cold. No, I don't feel good. It's going to kill me. Um, and he, he uses that so he can make a phone call to the notary, which, of course, we end up finding out he didn't. He faked the phone call, so Placido would stop bothering him. Um, so you said he spends the, the whole film pretty much saying, it's fine, your truck, you know, whatever. It's okay. No one's going to care. Yeah. And it kind of feeds into that. But that does that is what reintroduces Placido as he comes with his family uh, and eventually is asked to transport the body. Yeah, so the guy passes away. And um, to, it seemed to me like it was a deal where it was just a little extra money. Like, he needed that He needed that dough. He's on, like, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's on the hustle. He's on the gig economy. And so he has the truck there. And the guy passes away. They don't want a lot of, you know, they don't want to call the authorities, this guy. You know, so well, they, if you remember they, when, when they're going to take the body out, he stops because he hears a sound in the hallway, and it's the neighbors. He's like, I don't. Yeah, so it was going to be a big scene. So they they basically hire Placido now because he has his he has the truck there. They're like, yeah. buddy, you got the truck. You're taking the dead we guy out of here. And so so he's he's hired. Uh, I guess you know it would be sort of like a, a an Uber or a, or a Lyft, <laughs> you know, Lyft funeral thing. Uh, but yeah, so they they pile uh, the, the 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 dead body, uh, the girlfriend, uh, and and a few other folks into the truck, and away they go. And. Uh... Right before that, if you remember, Placido brings his entire family upstairs, which is his father-in-law, his wife, and his new kids, including a newborn. And while they're up there, he asks, can my family have something to eat? And he's told, are you being serious? You're only going to be here for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, the father, the father's a good character too. Which is, uh, you know, so Placido has the most tragic story of all because his family's not included in the feed the homeless event nope. in any capacity. Uh, he's he's a worker. They refer and and the the showrunner refers to him as such a few times. He's a nope. worker. Yeah. His family isn't fed. They're not at any table. Placido gets a, a little glass of cognac at some point when he volunteers to take the body out, which. I think it's kind of agreed that the showrunner will help him pay the notary fee if he gets this body out of here with as little noise as possible. And his family's allowed to stay there and be warm, but they can't eat. They've already fed a homeless guy, so they're not going to yeah. feed well, and his the whole, whole family. Yeah, the whole thing is not yeah, – yeah, it's it, they're invisible people working, and the yeah. helping of people who need to eat is only a performative thing that you're doing You know, the one time. It's not actually founded in – trying to help people who need food mm-hmm. who do not have enough to eat which would be you know the, the main character in his family yes. in this story no it's you know these sort of celebratory uh you know like um spectacle type you know yeah like you it it, it reminded me of like um what was that thing that became it was a big deal recently the uh the prophet the veiled prophet thing oh right yeah, like like some sort of sort of upper class ritualism. It, the, it's just it's all those things are are just tied back to religious assuagement and guilt, and it, in in societies like that, nobody none of those people actually care yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's know? interesting I mean, that you point. said it because I had forgotten that he is referred to as a worker because it's just re, it reinforces every hierarchy you would think that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're here. These people are here. So we give them one meal a night. You're here. You do kind of what we tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and he uses worker as almost like a word of pity because that's what he brings up when they're in the bank, when they're seeing the notary. He's a worker. a worker. Yes, that's right. He uses that as like to sort of uh, as like a, try to help him. Yeah, yeah show your pity to this this worker. Right. Um, and that's how he's referred to. He's not Placido who is living in a, a restroom Man. with his family. He's, he's the, the lowly worker. Can you please spare him a little pity? Joe yeah. Biden treat any unions like that recently? Or? Fuck, I don't, don't, don't no, get a sidetracked. Don't get a sidetracked, bro. Oh my God. Yeah. We, maybe we'll talk about that in a fun half. Real fun. Workers um, don't there's need a great, anything. Helping poor people. There's a great, there's a great shot in this sequence too. Yes. And if you want it, if you want to, uh, I realized after watching it, that this was made, I th- I'm pretty sure this came out the same year as a film people will be more uh, familiar with, Breakfast at Tiffany's. The uh, That came out in 61 with George Pappard and Aubrey Hepburn. Uh, there's a party scene in that, in her apartment, hmm. that's very similar to some of these dinner scenes, where it's a lot of uh, sort of panning camera with a lot of different action in different places. This uh, Lucido is black and white. But I also like that there's a tracking shot coming out of them taking the body out of like carrying, and then they have to stop, and then they're carrying it. It's sort of it's it remi- it was and it tracks them down this long set of stairs like into the street, and and again it was sort of like the shot at the beginning with the parade and the funeral procession, where you really had to stick with it for you know it wasn't just a ten second little thing. You're like watching this body come out of this this house. You know, it was a pretty neat, pretty neat looking shot. And then that leads them to, and this part I was a little confused about, so I'm not sure. Maybe I, I missed a word because I hadn't watched this movie in years before I rewatched it within the last 24 hours. But I'm not quite positive where they take 
the body and the widower. I believe they take the wid the the widow goes back to their place and she's like crying, but also eating. She took food but so from Placido. He's the only they, yeah. they're willing to give away from their Christmas basket that the brother stole to give her some salami. Yeah, but, I, could, but they, that's but right. the, I couldn't remember if they stole it or the, the person arm, forgot. There's to take the armed guard, and I I can't quite remember what his role in it. Why he's there. Remember when they they get there with the body? There's the the armed guard. Yeah, because they 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 brought it to like a. Because the showrunner has to step in. I feel in like it was a church, something like that. But the the showrunner has to step in, and he's like, "Oh, they they he, she just lost her husband," and yeah, and he allows them to go in. But I, I can't quite remember what exactly that yeah, was all that's about. Right. What, if that was something that just guard, went over like my a, head, it was like an army guy. It was a, it was sort of a it, it actually really nailed home the idea of like. It is sort of a police state after all. I was just going to say, this is navigating just, state just, violence. Just, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, just a guy there. Um, but yeah, I had forgotten. I knew they had the basket left because obviously that comes into play at the very end. <laughs> but like, I couldn't remember why. And then I remember there was like that exchange uh, because he just he just stole it. He was like, I'm just going to keep it. Because he only got 13 pesos he, for his work. Yeah, so I'm keeping one of these baskets. Tipped, the, the tipped wage, brah. Yep. Come on. They're going to tip. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Delaware Restaurant Association at work. Mm. It's how they do it. <laughs> I mean, look. So they they drop off uh, the the corpse and uh, the widow, and uh, now they're going home. And uh, you know they're finally, you know, they're finally going to have you know a moment's peace with whatever's left in this basket. But they're not actually. No, and that's <laughs> why I said the whole film. He's told they're not going to repo your truck. It's Christmas Eve. No one would do that. And here comes a man to repo their basket, their their Christmas basket. I'm assuming he's either sent from his boss, or he noticed one's missing. Um, but that's what uh, I thought. I thought it was the guy. Somehow he knew it was missing. Either yeah, he, he he didn't pick it up, or he was the guy they tried to steal it from. But at this point, it's after midnight. It is now Christmas, and uh, Placido's wife is beginning dinner for her father, who's in town, um, who brought cheese and olive oil and bread. He brought uh, cheese and. <laughs> he only has enough money for the train back. Yes. She, she's putting the baby down in the crib. Um, and, you know, reminder that this apartment they're living in is, you know, shares a wall with a, a public bathroom. And uh, he hears some commotion outside. And it's his brother having a fight with the man who hired him earlier to repossess their basket. Um, which he tells him, he says, my family will have nothing to eat for Christmas. And it's more or less met with. I don't care. He even no, it says, was mine. I wanted it back. He even says at some point, everything better be in here. Yep. And you immediately think of, you know, you know there's only a couple minutes left in the film, but you think of the ham they just gave to the widower. Uh, so not everything is in there. But uh, I, I just thought that's, you know, it, the, the truck isn't repossessed. But it, the movie ends with Placido in the same place as he was at the beginning. His truck was paid off. But he even says we won't have money next month for he, the truck. He says we'll have the same problem again. So next month. Yeah. when it gets to the after end, all this, that's, yep. yeah. When it, when it so gets there is the a end, fight have, outside, which is yeah. another good shot because it was a two-camera shot, or I don't know how they set it up in 1960, but <clears throat> there's a hill there, and obviously it, it, it wasn't. It was lost on me until this final scene was shot this way. That of course they live yep. next to the public toilet down in. A, you have to go down steps. It's like mm -hmm. a basement, basically. So, yeah, there's a fight with the guy who I guess is the lawful owner of the basket uh, where his brother gets pushed down the steps or down the hill, and you see it from the top. And as he's going down, you see it from the vantage point of the guy he's fighting. Down the, and you can see him just kind of roll down. Yes. 
but I'd say, like I said, um, and this is why movies like this don't get made as much anymore because there is no resolution. Placido is in the same place. Maybe the guy even walks worse. Away. Yeah, that's the last. Um, shot. The last shot it, is the the man repossessing the basket and walking away. Yeah. So he's, you think um, he's paid the truck? He won't have enough money, but he has something to eat for Christmas Eve. That is the net positive: is Placido has something to eat for the evening, and his basket is taken, and he's left with nothing. He doesn't even have the same money he had to pay for the truck, uh, which you you know, like you said, you think he's going to get to keep for. 30 seconds in the movie before he's told he'll be reported if he doesn't pay it now. And Placido finds himself in a worse place because now he has 30 days to come up with money for another payment. Yep. On the same circular, you know, the same hamster wheel again of debt and poverty. And the last scene that, that, you know, the guy with the basket, you know, he's, he's yelling. They're yelling up and down the hill at each other. You know, if you're a real man, come up here and you know, I'll come down here and I'll beat your ass or whatever. And um, it, it's really interesting because it just drives home the point. There, there's the man doesn't need it. He remind he specifically says everything better be in there. Yeah. Even, even though he doesn't need it, didn't want it, whatever. It, the whole point of it was just to not give it to to them. Yeah. You yeah the know, point that, of it that is they would not, not in any yours. situation and in any way at the end of the day they will not get ahead. They will not get what they need, and they will not be given anything from those people. And it's it's like grocery stores throw food out. Yep. <laughs> instead of giving it away. Yep. And it's it's, it's ours. It's we after, can do what we want with it. It's after midnight. It's no longer Christmas Eve. The their hours of charity to the homeless are yep, done. It's done now. This basket is mine. It's Christmas. And he's literally fighting Eve. him at the t- at, yes. at the top of the hill near his house, and, underneath and, a and, bathroom, and pushing his brother who is handicapped because he says at one point I'll take out your good leg. Yep. <laughs> and you, you see these shots of Placido pulling his brother down because he knows that if he's arrested, it's a fee he'll never be able to pay. And that's the guy's final, you know, threat is I'll report you. And Placido is pulling him down. Um, and uh, and that's how it – I mean, there's – there like I said, there is no resolution. You, you the, the, the same stress and hustle begins the very next day. Yeah, the resolution is – the ruling class threatens the poor people and says, "I'll call the cops if you don't." Yes, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. and it's and it's revisited. There's no, um, <clears throat> you see the guy hustle through, you know, four or five, six, I guess, uh, to to midnight, of this one period of time, doing all of that to no to no good end. Yep. To no, there, there's no there's nothing at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel. It should that should be very clear to people that. That's what it is. Like it's one of those things. Like the the snake that eats its tail just goes by and round and round and round. Yep. He'll be in that same place tomorrow and then next month, and, and needing the money and then you know yeah. And that's why the 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 film is still relevant to nowadays because that's how every, everyone works their ass off to be paid. They pay their debts and they find themselves in that same stress, yep. trying to figure out how to manage what they have left for thirteen days until they can repeat. Um, you know, Placido I, I, is a very relatable character. Yeah. Um, in that he he did everything he could, and he's not ahead. It's a it's a net zero at the end. Yeah. Um. It, but I love this movie. I I'll tell you, <laughs> it's good film. It's, it, yeah, Luis Garcia uh, Berluga. It's a great film. I did a little bit of research on. The director, because uh, you mentioned that there was a cool backstory. I'm glad we got to sort of get into that. And apparently, I do want to see, I think it's called uh, Benvenuto's um, Mr. 
what's, what was the, the fund everybody was trying to get? Marshall Plan, Mr. Marshall. So it's this idea that um, a, a small town in, in Franco's Spain is going to, like, gentrify uh, to be, like, a tourist place that Americans will come so they can get some of that sweet, sweet Marshall Plan dough. Uh, and historically, Spain did not get any Marshall Plan dough. No. Um, but uh, but in any case, I, I think obviously these themes are still relevant. If you like um, sort of this kind of movie, if you like, if if you're into that, uh, I think all uh, these are all going to be good. So I'm going to be checking them out more. Um, thank you. We're going to get into something fun now. <laughs> Carl, now's the time. This is it. This is how we're closing it. This will be the closer. We want your movie review of. The Netflix holiday special, The Glass Onion Knives Out 2. So this is the time of the year where I talk about the movie that got dropped on Netflix shortly before the holidays um, that I watched and generally enjoyed. Because last year was, uh, remember Don't Look Up? Remember how we technically had an episode about that? (laughs) We did, technically. (laughs) You did an episode about Don't Look Up and I missed it? It, it wasn't supposed to be about that. I think it ended up being like more than 50% (laughs) about that, though. Yeah, we saw that. Jordan was in here. Yes, because we because Jordan was in here, so that it had like a journalistic, I guess, idea to it. I don't remember the whole conversation, I don't but we used that as a, uh, yeah, we used that as the example of something we were talking about that okay. had to do with like yeah. not, Sirota and stuff. I think. Not to derail the knives out, but I did you guys like it? I need to know where I sit on this, and I won't. I at the time, loud, but <laughs> for for don't look up. Yes, yeah. Oh. At the time, I liked it. In thinking about it more, it's... I mean, it's... And I think Glass Onion, to a certain extent, might fall on this cat, like, on the spectrum as well of, like... It's not really a movie. Like, it's a David Sirota column that's a movie where they hired a bunch of famous actors to, like... Because the... To which is interesting to make it yeah. good. To make it good. <laughs> yeah. Which You're is gonna interesting. Hits an article come to life. Because it's it's like <laughs> it's for article heads. Don't look up. Almost seems like a criticism of self. Because in the movie, it ends up like okay, these people they're like getting like this big celebrity, uh, like showcase to say like oh we need to look up, and so it's sort of like critiquing that model of activism of like oh if we just bring attention to this issue. Uh, but then also points out if you do that, then you're gonna get the negative polarization, and there's gonna be, that's the whole point of don't look up is that, you know, you try to bring attention to something, there's always gonna be people who are like now defining their identity against that, yada yada, and then that's also kind of what the movie is though, like it's it is its own critique in a way of itself, which is I find that to a certain extent very interesting, but then I was also kind of amused sort of in like how interested I was in it and then how it immediately dropped out of the culture after like two weeks. Nobody talks about it anymore. No. No, and I, I, start, I saw it started getting uh, recommended again in Netflix in the last couple of weeks. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So what is your, do you want me to my opinion about it? Yeah, or yeah. Want, no, I just, I, I kind of, it was good. It wasn't even that good, actually. I was going to compare it to like, you know, a, a mid-Michael Moore documentary. Like you're like, I, oh, I, that's I think good. That's yeah, fair. it's kind of like I a Michael Moore. Fair. Yeah, it's like a mid, and 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 he's done some yeah. very good ones, but he's done a, a bunch of mid ones too. And you watch him, and you're like, okay, well, that's cool information. That's like I watched like a, you know, a, a, that's a good documentary. And I agree with the premise. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I like what you did there, but it wasn't anything like it was kind of banal. But I think a lot that's of people tie R two if it agrees with them, it's good. Yeah. Rather than did I enjoy this, even though we share the same viewpoint. Yeah. I think it's possible to see something that you agree 100% with and you can leave saying, like, it wasn't very good. 
Yeah. yeah, so that was my opinion. My opinion sort of. I would I never watch it. Carl, I haven't watched it. Carl have looks no at stuff with that it's, sort it's of organizer fair. base because that is really what it is. But done. but oh. I, but I just didn't. I didn't even see that aspect to it. I just thought it was just very ordinary. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that it's a movie that a lot of people are going to watch that gets across a certain message, even if it's not the most artfully just dis- uh, displayed, I don't think is a bad thing. Uh, and actually, I feel similarly about. Glass Onion in that it's cer- well I think Knives Out makes the same critique a lot more artfully mm. in terms of the class stuff but I think you know part of the idea of Glass Onion is we're making fun of these billionaires like that's a big reason clearly why it was made and I think even if it's not like a super cogent critique or like here it comes up with like oh and so we have to do a revolution or we have to do this or that I don't think that really that doesn't bother me too much um, and like people who approach it as like it's the same thing people who critique oh, viewing art is politics, then make that complaint about that, that it's not being politics enough. So it's like, okay, so what yes. do you want? Like, it's okay. a it's I, a fun I, little, it's I a yeah, yeah. movie with a political theme. And I think the political theme I agree with and the fact that more people are seeing it, I think is good. But like, that doesn't mean that it's a great piece of Yeah, movie. it doesn't necessarily critique, it critiques people you we don't like. But it's critiquing, the, it's critiquing the, uh, it's critiquing the, the, uh, the sort of the online culture because it's all, they're all fake. You know, it's not critiquing the the CEO of uh, Home Depot who said, you know, socialism makes people not want to work anymore, you know, or or some like real capitalist like that. But the fact that it's not doing that is like not, like you said, it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. the political thing that I think it should be. It should just be the story. It's pretty good. It's a good critique of the things that we talked about. And so, yeah, I think it's fine. I agree. My first. Thought Do you think people was, was that it, the biggest push? Was like that. it was too people said it, it didn't go far enough. Or oh, sorry, James. It? What were you saying? Yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say my first thought was, what would music come out like if you set out to make that sort of record as opposed to that sort of movie? And I, like, like I said, I I don't that, I will never, yeah. you know, dunk on somebody who's doing that and feels value in it or even say that that it's art but it's not really art that's interesting to me it sounds like an op-ed like a list of facts yeah but you could do that <laughs> i think you could still do that artfully you like think? you could still do a concept album yeah that's not like well, so a- heavy you could do you could become a character and do an out like bowie yeah. like something bowie would do yeah. and it's sort of like you're just telling this sort of weird space story but it's actually right right so i i think there you can do that thank you everyone uh I want to say Happy New Year again to everyone, and I want to thank James, I want to thank Drew, and I want to thank Carl for putting this all together. Uh, We'll speak to you soon. Ciao. Uh, Left is best. Uh, And Lula uh, is Presidente. How about that?